all of these building blocks will help you answer the most important question. I can tell you, it's not, how can I get somebody else to sell my products? The right question is, how can I be part of the information or the experience that my target customers are sourcing? Welcome to SaaS Connect, the SaaS Partnership Podcast, brought to you by the Cloud Software Association. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. As was mentioned, I'm Davey Vano, CEO of Impact.com. We're a partnership management platform. We're growing pretty fast. We're up to about 1,000 employees now, over 2,000 customers. A lot of them are SaaS businesses like yourselves. And what I'm here to talk about is why partnerships are going to revolutionize how you market and sell your products. So every so often, a game changer takes place, right? And it causes a fundamental shift in how things are thought about in business. We've seen game changers in the past, supply chains, production management, marketing strategies. And every time that companies see and embrace these changes, they're the ones that like transform their business and keep growing. Those that don't, lose their competitive advantage. And I believe that modern partnerships are today's game changer, and especially for SaaS businesses. Partnerships enable enterprises like yours to achieve significant and sustainable growth in today's fast-changing competitive market, which is very consumer-led today. And we're going to get into this. Because people today are buying based on what other people say and not based on what you tell them anymore, which is typically done in the form of advertising or your direct sales approach. And can we blame them? And so just bear with me. Let's go back 100 years, okay, when radio and TV first started. And this is what happened. Like, people were sitting around the same radio stations, around the same TV stations, all listening to the same jingles, all watching the same ads, and running out and buying the products that they were told to buy. And what's almost hysterical to think about is that half the time, products didn't look like or work like they were advertised. In a lot of cases, they were actually bad for us. There were no other options that were out there for information, no way to channel check what was being told to you by these companies. And then around 30 years ago, what happened? The internet, right? Which created a whole new source of information that was accessible by anyone. And as consumers have gained uh, access to more information, they've also been presented with more choices, right? There are millions of uh, brands to choose from, but also software vendors that have been uh, you know, uh, revolutionized here by the, the digital growth here. And then adding fuel to the fire, right? We've got around 10 years ago, people being empowered and, and started to democratizing information and content started publishing their own information out there that's on all kinds of platforms now. They're simply sharing their life, their interests, their passions. They wanted to be the first to review products, whether it's in gaming, whether it's in technology or software. And they started to build up large audiences. And then brands have figured out essentially that these influencers have a strong connection with their audience and they need to start drawing alliances with these sources of information. And then big editors took notice, right? So in 2016, New York Times acquired Wirecutter. We all know them as a, a product review site. And then later, CNN developed Underscored in 2017. So they've become a popular outlet now for style, tech, health, basically any product that's being uh, considered. They're writing, these large teams of editors are writing reviews and talking about their experience with them. And the prevalence of this commercial information from creators, publishers couldn't have come at a better time, right? Where simultaneously, we've all witnessed the implosion of digital advertising. It's been death by a thousand cuts. It started with spam, pop-ups, takeover ads, retargeting, it just creeped everybody the heck out. And people are feeling disrupted with their normal course of online behavior, and a lot of times just frankly annoyed. 
And big tech hasn't helped the situation either. They've agglomerated 90% of all digital ad spend and then basically clamped down with their privacy updates that have reduced your ability to target, track, and measure anything now, unless you're doing it inside their wall gardens where you're trusting them to do it. And by them controlling the supply experience, they've also kind of jacked up your uh, digital ad rates. But the issue today with advertising is actually much deeper than the disruption that's caused by big tech. Consumers feel like they've been lied to for the last 100 years. And a whopping 96% of customers are reporting they don't trust advertising or salespeople. It was time for consumers to take matters into their own hands, to not make unilateral decisions anymore based on ads or talking to one of your salespeople. And so what they've done is they've gone out and they've sourced their own information about products, right, that they're interested in. These are creators, these are publishers, these are other businesses that they trust that they're sourcing this information from. And so these same, I'm drawing an analogy here, the same trends that exist in the general consumer space exist exactly within your SaaS business go-to-market, right? SaaS marketing has been forced to adapt to this form of just being aware of how consumers are sourcing information because people have access to more information now that they didn't even five years ago. It used to be that SaaS buyers would make these unilateral purchase decisions based on what they were told from a sales rep or maybe a few couple reference checks that they might do in the sales process. But business buying today is no longer linear. And your partnerships with the sources of information has become a crucial part of, these touch points have become a crucial part of how the customers are embarking on their journey. Consider your buyer. It's highly unlikely that they receive a cold email from someone on your team then sign a contract with you without doing their research and what other people have to say about it. They're going to get that information in an email, but they've got a wealth of information out of their fingertips. They want to research. They want to check out reviews. They want to look for recommendations. They want to hear other people talk about it, show the product, and just verify with what you're claiming is actually true. And I want to also underscore that an initial crucial point here, and that is you can no longer solely rely on the brute force sales efforts of your own team. You've got to have an army of people out there talking about your business and referring you customers. Innovative SaaS companies today get this, right? They know that partnerships are key to their growth for lofty goals. Take a look at Salesforce. So they've got an ambitious goal to recruit 250,000 new channel partners over the next four years. Microsoft, we've talked about, who actually has a more ambitious goal. 7,500 partners per month is what they're looking to to bring on board. And this is in addition to the 355,000 channel partners that they already have. These partners are very different. This is a really important point. Listen to this. These partners are very different than what they used to be. It used to be that these partners would handle the transaction with the end consumer. So think of Microsoft. They had retail stores that would stock, shrink wrap software, and then transact with the end consumer. The trend now in business is partnerships with non-transactional partners. So these are the people that refer and recommend customers that will then transact directly with the business. These are the types of partners that are revolutionizing the channel. And the growth of referral partners has been organic. It's been the result of all the trends that we just talked about. But technology is finally in place, especially through partnership management platforms like impact.com, to really allow partners to kind of grow and thrive in this this new transformation. Referral partners take many forms, right? Here are just a couple examples of different types. We've got creators, influencers, brand ambassadors. We've got leading media publishers. We've got strategic business partners and comparison partners. Each partner type has its own benefits and its own unique place in this partner economy. They fit perfectly on the modern customer's journey because they don't just reflect today's consumer preferences and journeys, they were actually derived from them. And this shift to referral partners, there's been a shift in terms of how businesses are valuing partners that are referring them business. These transactional partnerships have been completely turned on their head. They've gone from like sourcing information that's being published by other people and other businesses that they're rewarding non-transactional partnership motions as well. They care about who's influencing 
not transaction, but influencing the customer who's driving usage utilization, et cetera. For example, listen to this. Microsoft went from touting that 90% of their business plus was partnered source to 96% partner assistant. So you can kind of see the shift in their mindset and how they're thinking about how they're valuing their partners. And then from a business point of view, working with referral partners helps drive demand, enhance customer experience, engagement, and lifetime value, enables innovation, yields high ROI, it helps brands acquire new customers, and crucially, it gives you a competitive advantage. And the proof is there, right? If you guys haven't kind of tracked this, mature companies that are leveraging these types of partnerships see contribute as much as 28% of their total revenue mix. And as a channel, it's growing like no other channel. It's growing at, at a rate of 50% growth. You know, let's just dive into a couple examples here. So to bring these to life, when it comes to creators, influencers, ambassadors, you can think of them as the, the powerful new word of mouth play, but it's happening now at a massive scale. I'll give you an example here of uh, some impact.com customers. So Canva, most of us know as a graphic design platform, it's a great example of a SaaS company who has partnerships with influencers who refer them business. They launched this partnership program back in 2019, but they, they wanted to add some innovative, experimental partners to their program. This included onboarding 800 influencers, YouTubers, content creators, publishers, and podcasters who would fre frequently create content about using their product. And this strategy has doubled their number of partners and has quadrupled their revenue from this channel. With this partner type, don't be afraid to think of outside the box, also in terms of like who can help spread word of mouth for your business. Let's take a look at what Zenefits is doing with a number of certified public accountant partners. So Zenefits, you might know as a human resource SaaS platform, they partner with CPAs, meaning that these CPAs are recommending Zenefits to their clients. And this is exactly what it sounds like. These CPAs are telling their clients, you need HR software to manage your payroll, keep better tax records, you should be using Zenefits. Here's a code, here's a link to sign up. And these CPAs in this case are essentially acting as consultants, right? They're earning a commission, yes, but they're also providing a really good service for their customers. And of course, Zenefits is, is gaining new customers. This sort of strategy can easily be applied in an ambassador sort of strategy format where you're incentivizing your existing clients to encourage new clients to use your product or service. Then we've got leading media publishers, right? They've, they've taken stage at a time where consumer demand has never been so hot. It's really surged in terms of demand for commercial-based information. People used to just kind of casually cruise around the internet. Now they're like on the internet with purpose and typically they're, they're researching buying things. There's a lot of consumerism that's happening right now. So they seem to be trained that there's a lot of information out there now about companies and products and they're going to actively seek it out and you need to be part of that information. So what leading media publishers have been doing in response to this decline in ad revenue related to the big tech challenges that we've talked about is they've been forming alliances with businesses to understand them more deeply, understand their products more deeply, and they're writing about it. They're creating this source of information that's informing buyers. So readers are enjoying useful educational content, the discovery of new products, while brands reach qualified buyers who are exploring this mindset of new options, essentially. It's really a win-win here. Shopify partnering with Inc. is a really good example of this. So we all know Shopify. It's an e-commerce platform, one of the top ones. There's 2 million stores on Shopify, if you guys weren't aware. But Inc. Magazine, online print, and a media company with a focus on business content. Business readers are looking to Inc. for information about ways to run their business, tools to grow, etc. So thanks to this partnership, when readers are looking for advice on how to launch their small business, they're going to be directed to Inc.'s review of Shopify and click directly to Shopify.com right from the article itself. This is commerce content. This is the hot new trend with some of the top publishers. This brings a whole new audience to Shopify's website. Even better, the audience is likely made up of more qualified prospects while they're in the mindset of buying. Okay, this next partner type is with strategic business partners. So B2B partnerships, especially when uh, two are really work as one, are a really great way to reach customers. 
They allow you to create a stronger customer experience and tap into an overlapping customer base at opportune moments. EasyShip and Indiegogo is a really good example of this. For those who aren't familiar with these two businesses, EasyShip is a shipping platform that connects sellers and marketplaces to couriers. And Indiegogo is a crowdfunding platform that allows people to solicit funds for a, a new idea or a new business. So these two businesses have partnered together where Indiegogo is claiming that EasyShip is their preferred shipping and fulfillment provider. This provides Indiegogo creators a convenient way to basically uh, ship their products to customers, especially as they launch their businesses. And obviously, it's a great new revenue stream for EasyShip. I'd also be remiss to not mention this partnership between Canva and HubSpot this time. So it's a different kind of B2B partnership. And this time, it's, it's the form of an integration. I love this example, right? In this type, it's just it's so fantastic for SaaS, right? Canva, I mentioned earlier, it's a graphic design platform. HubSpot, we all know, is an inbound marketing platform. They knew that a software integration would help save their customers time and produce great work with the click of a button. So there's now this Canva button inside of HubSpot, which brings the Canva experience right into HubSpot, right? So now... HubSpot customers can design ads, banners, landing pages, social graphics, and publish directly to their marketing channels within HubSpot without ever having to leave the platform. And this obviously delivers a much better experience for HubSpot users, but also new customers for Canva. And just one more example, one more type, partnership type to look at here is comparison partners. These are your comparison and review sites, which are more commonly used in the SaaS space. Partnering with these sites places your business at the point of customer research and allows them to discover you while they're in this shopping motion. Now, it's really important. Like a lot of people, you know, they're fearful of like paid sponsorship. These don't always have to be paid partnerships, right? These can be earned too. What's important is that you build them into your program, you track and understand their value, and, and then nurture and grow the partnership. It can be a real meaningful source of pipeline coverage for you. We can see this uh, example here in this partnership between uh, Squarespace and Natural Intelligence. Squarespace, we're probably familiar with as a website builder platform. Natural Intelligence, they own several comparison sites, a lot of top 10 sites. Thanks to this partnership, Squarespace has a prominent position on these comparison sites when people are searching for website technology, which is going to help you know, new customers discover Squarespace, essentially, learn about the benefits of their platform. So what I hope is clear right, from these examples is the wide variety of ways in which that you can work with partners that your target customers are engaged with. And this partnership economy is a huge universe, and it's just filled with a lot of untapped potential. Don't let yourself lose a competitive advantage by not embracing it. To make the most of this universe, I recommend embracing these six key principles. I'm going to touch on each of them here real quick. The first key is, as you may guess, just finding compatible partners. The universe of potential partners for you is large, but it doesn't mean that everybody is a qualified compatible partner for you. Pay attention to five things. Determine if you have complementary business objectives complementary brand fit, complementary competitor status, the ability to work towards a shared outcome in a collaborative and transparent way, and a desire to do so. If you can check the box on any of these five things, you've found a great partner fit. And if you're wondering how to determine those characteristics, you can start by asking a few simple questions. For example, when looking at complementary business objectives, you can ask, do we understand each other's goals? What does each of us bring to the table? What do they have that we need? What do we have that they need? And finally, when determining brand fit, you can ask, does this partner meet our ideal partner criteria? Is there any brand risk? Would an endorsement from this partner sound credible to our audience, to our customers? The second key is ensuring that you and similar partners have shared customers and audiences. In fact, placing your customer at the center of your partnership strategy is not like a nice to have. It should be like the primary reason and purpose that you're doing this. Sometimes this piece is obvious as 
you and your partner like serve the same customer. I think of a tech enterprise that's working with an influencer who reviews new tech products. But a lot of times partners are going to help you, help enable you like tap into new types of customers that you hadn't thought of before. Think of how Uber pivoted during the pandemic and created partnerships with uh, restaurants with their Uber Eats program, really introduced them to some new, new partner types. Okay, and then we have desirable customer experience, the moment of truth, in my opinion, for partnerships, right? Customer interactions take, take a lot of different forms, right? An Instagram post, useful content, more holistic and integrated product offering. But the goal is to create an experience that your customers are going to find useful and enjoy, just like that Canva HubSpot example that I gave you. Ask yourselves, how can you delight your shared customers through a partnership? The next one is crucial, right, to determine the effectiveness of your partnership. Did your partnership, you know, basically achieve its intended objectives, right? Ask yourself, is it working? And do this based on actual data and results, not just based on assumptions and opinions. You know, back to the prior session, like my advice on working with a partnership program is run it like you run your sales team. You've got a daily set of number of activities. You've got pipeline targets. You've got goals. You're expecting to sign up X number of partners each month or each week. Just like you'd run a sales team, you'd want to run your, your partnership team. And I also want to underscore the point that partnerships generate multiple benefits for businesses and their partners, aside from the obvious benefit of meeting the need or the want that originally got the two together to begin with. For businesses, this includes revenue, obviously, acquisition of new customers, expansion into new markets, enhanced customer experience, and a lot more. And then for publishers, obviously, there's financial incentives, special offers to share with their audiences, unique content and brand assets, positive brand association. A lot of them are after the social currency to be the first with something that's, that's unique and original, and a lot more. Don't forget about this motivating value exchange in the mix outside of your original partnership goal. And for the last key, make sure that you put together a shared partnership success plan, right? So even the most compatible partners do need a plan of action to execute a successful partnership. Partnership plans build a mutual understanding of what it will take to succeed, what each task consists of, milestones, roles, and responsibilities. We've seen racy matrices built between the two, and then expected timeframes. Don't forget to just include these expectations of how and when the partnership performance will be evaluated. All of these building blocks will help you answer the most important question. I can tell you, it's not, how can I get somebody else to sell my product? The right question is, how can I be part of the information or the experience that my target customers are sourcing? I know this sounds overwhelming here, but if you break it down piece by piece like I just did, you should be able to see that, it, that it's quite simple. If you're new to this, take the first step in forming your first partnership. It's as simple as talking to your customers. Ask them what information they source before buying you. Ask them what other businesses they enjoy alongside yours, and then go call those people. Go call those businesses and figure out a way to, to form an alliance. If you've already started, take the next step into deepening your partnerships. Use technology like a partnership management platform to scale it. Diversify your different partnership types among the examples that I gave you. Because I can tell you that truly in the partnership economy, the potential is there for everyone. But what I get most excited about finally, after 100 years of being lied to and, and a really bad advertising disruptive, interruptive experience, is that it's a much better experience for the customer. And we should all celebrate that. If you want to learn more on exactly how you can create a thriving partnership channel, I would encourage you to take a look at my book. We actually have copies in this back table here while supplies last. Or you can simply go to impact.com. Thank you. Great, we've got time for a couple of questions. Dave, you good with that? I am. We've got one over here. Dave, that's a lot of knowledge. Just, I wish you compiled in some kind of uh, paper-based substance that we can take away with my name on the back. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because you get them at the front, your book? 
Looks right back there on that table. Yeah, I can yep. get it. It's amazing. It's yeah. full of all this stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. I know. I, I tend to talk fast and cram a lot of information. What I'm trying to do is pique your interest, and we can make, make the content available to you as well. Hi. In terms of uh, incentivizing the influence channel or media, I mean, what's their, what's their compensation structure expectations? The compensation structure between uh, a business and their partners, typically? Well, usually between an influencer and a, and a SaaS but, company. So with influencers, you know, every partner is different. Every business model is different. It really depends on, like Lenovo is one of our customers. Their profit margins on those products is really thin. So what they can afford to pay out as a percent of sale is quite small relative to, you know, a mattress bedding company where it's all direct to consumer and it's like they can pay out like 20% to, to the partner. So your payout structure varies based on what vertical you're in typically. But maybe just to give you an idea on how you know, Canva, for example, works with influencers, there's two primary ways in which brands are working with influencers. One is where you have a, a, an influencer or a creator who's really passionate about the business, and they're kind of seeking the business out. And that's where you'd want to have a partner portal, an affiliate program, something that's on your website that's easily accessible to people who are excited to kind of talk about the Canva software. And they can sign up, they can get approved, they can grab those links. And when they're producing their demo videos, there's a lot of demo videos right now on YouTube on how to use Canva. There are links within the description of that of those videos to sign up at Canva and that'll get tracked back you know, like through a platform like impact.com to credit that creator. You know, according to the partnership program, the affiliate program will get paid out a certain certain rate on that. So that's one way to work with influencers. But if your team is like doing a lot of research and you're understanding like who is heavily influential in design software, the brand might be more aggressively seeking out the creator and form a different type of partnership. It might be more campaign or time-based where they may pay them a fixed fee to create a certain type of content. They'll give them some guidelines. They're not going to micromanage them. Typically, it's not the right way to do it. You want to let them connect with their audience in their own unique way, but they'll create content that'll get posted. They can boost it through social uh, platforms to get it distributed into some targeted feeds. They can license that content. They can run it on their website. They can run it on TV ads. There's all different ways to work with it. And then what I've noticed is that when that second point, when it finishes the campaign time-based nature of working with them, it will revert to an evergreen performance or an affiliate long-term, like paying a commission of, of a sale. What's great about this buildup of content that's out there right now is that this stuff sits out there for years. So you have creators now that have you know, videos that are four years old that are still generating residual sales to the brands, the businesses. It's also earning them residual income. So hopefully that helps. If you like this and want more great insights on software partnerships, you've got to rate, like, and subscribe and join us at thecloudsoftwareassociation.com. Thank you as always to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. We'll see you on the next episode.